Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up? I'm Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. We have our man Colin Brister on the show again. This is our official week one preview as the Rebels are already out in Hawaii. Depending on when you're listening to this, they will have a game late at night. On Friday against the Rainbow Warriors, we talked about pitching rotation, expectations for the 2023, excuse me, 2024 season, and a whole lot more. So buckle up. Think you'll enjoy some baseball conversation. We'll talk to Bracken on Sunday about basketball. But, uh, you know, this nice time of year where you got a lot of stuff going on. Before we get to that, though, I want to take one quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by Seaspire. It's time to upgrade your home internet to the best service in the market with Seaspire Home Fiber. The past few years have proven how important it is to have a reliable home internet connection for you and your family. That's why Seaspire Home provides the most reliable internet service with 99.99% uptime. Seaspire also prides themselves in having the best customer service in the home internet market. Their customer service is award-winning local service based out of the Southeast with industry-low call wait time. Seaspire provides 1 gigabit and 300 megabit internet packages to homes across Mississippi, Birmingham, and the Southern Alabama regions. Seaspire is also proud to announce the release of their brand new 2 gigabit and 8 gigabit home internet plans. Save yourself the hassle by not waiting for your internet connection to drop with the other guys. Call or go online to cspire.com slash home today to use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, at checkout for one month of free service. That's right, just for listening to this podcast, podcast you get one month of free service when signing up for cspire check about cspire customer inspired this podcast is brought to you by skybox sports picks who is skybox sports picks well glad you asked they're the world's best gambling handicapping website the inventors of the skybox matrix interval an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry College basketball season's heating up. NFL's winding down. If you're trying to make a little money, make a little extra cash in your pocket, you need to go with Skybox. Their bread and butter is and has always been college basketball. I've been saying it on this podcast for years at this point. Let me lend you inside a little bit of Skybox's year-long college basketball action this so far this year. They're up 24 and a half units on overs on the year. They're up 0.027 units on unders, plus 19 and a half units on against the spreads and are up a total of 39 units on the year with the $100 better per unit. You're up almost $4,000. That'd be $3,908 on the season. Don't you wish you had that? Well, you probably didn't sign up for Skybox. Check them out today. You'll find the picks package that fits your price range. Get familiar with Skybox before March Madness. Let them help you make some money on the end of the NFL season and so much more. They're the best sports handicapping site in the business. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. The stats speak for themselves. And if you go online and find a picks package today and use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, you'll get 20% off any package. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. All right, here's Colin. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, Colin Brister. It is game week. We're recording this late on a Wednesday night. It is Valentine's Day. I guess happy Valentine's Day. You're my first podcast co-host. Did you get the uh, the the candy I sent you in the mail? All right, I'm going to tell you something. As somebody that teaches school um, and coaches, Valentine's Day is a different breed at high schools, my man. There are some kids on some sugar. And uh, we uh, – yeah, you're just kind of ready for the day to be over because they, they keep calling kids and you know they're going to get some chocolate. And, brother, they uh, – they, they, by about 2 o'clock, they are uh, on a hop. Yeah, people think the sugar high ends after, like, the baby phase. I say that as someone who's never had kids, so people out there are probably thinking, like, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. I at least relate that to, like, younger kids 
But I can see that you get high school, middle school kids all hopped up on like sugar and stuff that, you know, mm -hmm. a diet they're not used to. That's probably a nightmare in the classroom. You, you know, what's like really bad is um, especially like seventh and eighth and sometimes ninth grade kids. Have you ever had one of these loaded teas? Um, they're basically cocaine. And um, oh, my um, God, I have a great story about this, but continue. They, they're basically co liquid cocaine. Um, and I don't I don't mean that mean, but like. Holy God, you drink one of those and you, um, well, let's just say you feel alive. So Wait, they give so those to like 13, 14, and 15 year olds, and you're just like, oh my God. So I'm curious. This is good stuff because I, I'm curious. It sounds like you have experience with this. When did you first when did you first try your loaded tea? Brother, um, so two years ago for teacher appreciation week, they just bought us all one of them, and I'd never tried one. So I was, first off, I'm an idiot. So I was like, I don't even like tea. Like, I don't like sweet tea. I don't like unsweet tea. Um, this, there's no way I like this. They're like, yeah, it's not the same. We'll just get one and we'll try. So I got this thing called a masquerade about two years ago. And then last year, they started delivering to the school every yeah. day, which is a safety hazard for me. So I just, all I got to do is Venmo somebody eight bucks any day I want one. And all of a sudden, by second period, one's sitting at my door. And uh, so, yeah, I get one about two or three times a week now. It's probably not safe, but you know, it is what it is. Buddy, you and I are the same person. So <laughs> I, I'll, I will relate. I can't believe we're talking about teas on this podcast, but uh, that's whatever. what people come to expect. Okay, so... About two and a half months ago, so I, uh, I, I, I don't know if I've ever given like a ton of detail on like what my day job it is, but I'm the marketing director for a private equity firm, and the main mm -hmm. business uh, that I handle marketing for of the several that they run is a series of dental practices called Life Dental Group. You should sign up today if you're in the Oxford Jackson area, wherever else. Nice free plug there. Um, but I'm like the only marketing guy. Like I have a boss who's out of Atlanta, but I'm like like handling the marketing for what is now 14 dental practices by myself plus two other companies. And I got to a point where I was like, man, this is a lot. Like I, I can't believe there's one person for this job. There was a uh, young woman who we hired to be the front desk person at our office and she showed an interest in marketing. So I started giving her stuff to do. And she's very good at graphic design. Like she has a great eye for that, which I am colorblind. I don't know anything about graphic design. It was a match made in heaven. I was like, this is perfect. So I started giving her more and more marketing stuff to do. Long story short, one day we're trying to generate new patients for our Oxford practice. And so we're driving around town, dropping off these promotional cards at different businesses. And we stop at a tea shop. And granted, you know, I'm 28. She's 20 years old. She was born like three mm -hmm. years after 9-11. So like- yeah, I'm running around with a kid. And she was like, have you ever had one of these loaded teas? I was like, uh, no. And she was like, you need to try it. And I was like, no, no, I don't want any of that. So this is like a Friday afternoon. It was a pretty long week. I was pretty tired. And I was like, all right, I'll try. If you get one, I'll try half of it. So she orders one. I take two sips of that. And I was like, what is this, cocaine? I was like, <laughs> I'm ready to bounce off the wall. It's like, how is this legal? And so Again. for the next like three weeks, I started getting teas in the morning. And then finally I decided, I was like, look, I can't do this. Like this is shameful walking into the office with this blue and red drink every day. One, nah. two, I think I'm going to die. Then I finally was like, actually, I don't really care. So I'm with you. I guess now I'm a tea guy, but I was very skeptical. And then I drank two sips of it and was like, 
how is this legal? This like did Pablo Escobar import this in here? Well, what is going on here? This is incredible. And we give this to 13 and 14 and 15 year olds and then tell them to go learn. I can't even imagine that. I, I'd be bouncing I'm, off. I mean, there, you, there's a chance. If you, a, if you have a class full of 15 year olds that have all had loaded teeth, you're lucky the windows stay intact. <laughs> I, have a, I have my first softball game tomorrow. There's a real chance I order two. Just, I got to make it through the day. It's going to be a day tomorrow. How about 25? Just tell them water's for the week. Drink this tea. <laughs> I've thought about just sending one big Venmo at the beginning of the week. Yeah, that's for five. We'll, we'll see if that's enough. Yeah, I would cut anyone who drinks water. It's caffeine only. <laughs> There's no way this is healthy. It is for three hours. We'll be all right. So that was a loaded tea segment of this podcast. If there's a tea company out there that wants to sponsor us, I will absolutely do it. An incredible product that I was completely ignorant of uh, minus, uh, you know, six weeks ago. I'm glad you you went on your tea journey as well. We are here to discuss the 2023 Ole Miss Rebels. Excuse uh, me, 2024. I'm in last year. I know, I'm screwing that up all, all the time. Yeah, it's going to take me to at least May to get that right, whether it's dating stuff. You know, it's just part of it. I say dating stuff. It's in dating documents. I'm not on the other. That's what's saying. You're married now? Yeah, I was about to say, no, we're, we're about a month out from getting married. <laughs> I'm, I'm not dating on the open market. We're talking dating documents here, you know, signing the name. Um, you, I was going to get into Mike's press conference um, that I think happened about a week and a half, two weeks ago. They changed up the schedule in terms of media days. But you brought up a point that – as right before we started recording has just enraged me. Um, it is the calendar year 2024. See, I got it right. Uh-huh. On. You informed me that the Friday game will be streamed and the rest of them will be not. What, what it, this that is can't according be to, if I'm, unless I'm mistakenly reading this, that is what Hawaii's game notes say. There will not be a stream for uh, Saturday and Sunday's contest, which uh, maddens me because I can't watch on Friday. I could watch on Saturday. Uh, well, excuse me. I can't. I, I could watch the second game Saturday, and I could watch on Sunday. But you know what? Not going to be able to. So I guess I'm going to be listening to the guys out there on the radio. Also, pretty fun call to go on the go to Hawaii and call the baseball game on the radio. Jealous of that guy. But yeah, we won't be able to watch after Friday. So how 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 great is that? I don't even know where to start with this. We have a pretty strong listenership base. I uh, appreciated all the messages. You know, I just put out when we did the podcast, I was like, we're back. And they're like, we needed this. If someone is in Hawaii, take one for the team. And Periscope's not a thing anymore, right? Can you just live stream No, not that I'm aware of. Yeah, not that I'm aware of. How is this possible? Like, it's 2024. Hawaii is like a very good, well-funded school. Like, what do you mean they're going to be with basketball? I, I I refuse to believe this is true up until five minutes before first pitch on Saturday when I get irrationally angry that I can't stream it. I believe you. <laughs> I've edited this before we started recording. I'm just telling you I'm choosing not to believe this until five minutes before. <laughs> you just got to pretend that there's going to be a stream pop up till you know, uh, who's pitching on Saturday? Is that Dennis? Is that Dennis Day? Yeah, the first. Yeah, <laughs> Dennis Day. The first. It would have been the Tuesday guy had they played a normal series with three games, but is now the uh, second guy off the mound for the Rebels in terms of starting pitching. I, I don't know what to do with this. And in all seriousness, I, I look. It's twenty twenty four. I get it. I guess you know college baseball is still a growing sport, but you know we've done this podcast for three years. 
Have you ever once like thought of the possibility of this? I know we had that weird, awful stream at uh, what was it, the the Twins Park? Was that last Yo year? Oh God, yeah, last year was, was a nightmare. Too. That was just last year. Do you remember that? At least it was on television. When's the when's the last time you thought about can I watch this Ole Miss baseball game? Brother, I have paid $30 to watch Ole Miss play three games over a weekend. I would do it again this weekend. Just give me something. Give me a guy. I would pay 100 his... bucks, And I'm not even saying I can <laughs> afford that. But it'd be supply and demand, friend. I, just give me a, some guy up there with his Motorola Razor. I don't care. I need to be able to watch Grayson Sonia pitch. Um, you know, so, yeah, not going to be great. Not going to be real on Saturday night, and not, no offense to the radio guys, but you obviously can't pick up any everything, um, especially baseball wise. Like I feel like basketball, you'd probably be fine with this. Um, baseball, man, it's that's tough because it's just hard to 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 get a real picture on the radio. Yeah, and we're still in non-conference mode, and we'll you know we'll text back and forth and decide whether we record Sunday or Wednesday. We may have answered our own question, but like let's just say. I get it. If it was conference play, I'm answering my own question. This would never be the case. But let's just say I was like, hey, we have to record Sunday. What would you not talk about? We didn't watch anything. Yeah. As I can tell you about the box score. Um, wow. Yeah. Speaking of, and this is a little bit off topic. What do you think? Um, what do you think the money line would be for Ole Miss Hawaii on a Friday night? Dude, this one shocked me a little bit. Uh, it's I out. couldn't even begin to guess. Did, did the Rainbow like, Warriors I, have a guy? I don't. I have no clue. I, I thought Ole Miss would be a pretty big favorite, and they're favored, but it's only like minus one eighty. Um, so why well, it might be okay? Is that for the game or for the series? Because if no for one the, watched it, did it happen? You can manipulate yeah, your own results. No, no, that's a good point. No, this one, this one's for the uh, one game that you can watch. So. The one game you can't watch. Oh, they should have just sent their crew. Just sent their cameras and their crew and let them film it. Yeah, and well, I get that, there's definitely probably logistical and territorial reasons why that's not the case. Keith Carter, not dumb. The baseball SID, not dumb. Oh, yeah, no, I'm kidding. Not dumb. This is not a complaint. <laughs> but in terms of, like, my big dumb brain, why can't you send your own people out there and just record this? <laughs> well, I mean, you know Mike's going to be filming it. I mean, can we not just connect this bad boy to the Internet and see what happens? I can't believe this. this. This threw off the rest of the podcast we were going to have. I was going to talk about all these different things, what I'm interested to see. Well, after Friday, <laughs> we're not going to see anything, it sounds like. I, I, I cannot believe this. I hope this gets rectified. I hope there's some hero who steps up on Oahu. Again, as we record this on a Wednesday night, I'm still refusing to believe it. It's the year 2024. That's a tough one. But getting into actual matters here, as we tend to do 20 minutes into the podcast. Sure. I uh so I I went back and rewatched Mike Bianco's media day press conference, um which like I mentioned earlier schedule a little bit different. It's usually the week of the season. I think they did a week or two ago. Uh, this is not a great point, but it might be a decent bit of a talking point. Most of these press conferences, the week of the season, are snoozers, right? Most of the time when you have this. You know who probably the starting lineup is. You can guess two-thirds of the rotation. I actually paid for that dearly, as we've discussed before, one year, um, <laughs> for guessing it too accurately. What was interesting to me about Mike Bianco's media day press conference this year is that, and I'm paraphrasing here, and I'm not putting words in his mouth, and you watch part of it, in a nice way, he was just kind of like, I really have no clue 
who's going to play where we set this rotation. I have no idea if this is going to stick. This is a weird four game rotation. This is going to take some time and I'll throw this any way you want to take it. But it's very interesting to me that after years of like, I guess I'll ask it this way. Even we'll, we'll even go off to the side here. When's the last time Ole Miss had a Friday guy? You're we like, yeah, not really sure what to expect here. And I know JT Quinn pitched last year, yeah. but like, when's the last time you're like, oh, I'm not even really sure what to expect here. Um, wow, that's a really good question. Because like two years ago, you'd be like, oh, I didn't know what to expect out of Dobbin. Well, I did. Um, my only started... answer to this, because I answered my own questions, was probably Etheridge, but at least you kind of yeah, yeah, you you had seen him in relief, and then he had started as a freshman. Um, you know, and you had. In 2018 and 2017. Wow, yeah, that's a really good – I guess – here's your answer. Brady Bramlett in 2016, I guess. But he had started – Yeah, because that's fair. In 15, at least you had Trent, right? Yeah, yeah. Trent was on Friday and Bramlett was on Saturday. Uh, But from a Friday night role, you probably didn't know what to expect out of Bramlett. Um, No, 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 no. Here's your best answer. Here's your best answer. Chris Ellis, who had not done anything in his first two years at Ole Miss and then started on Friday night and was good. So – that's the Which is answer. a great answer, but you don't think about it in terms of what his career became. Like, why did anyone right. ever doubt Chris Ellis? But that is a great answer. But so that was a sidebar to the point of like, it seems like Mike Bianco, I think he likes a lot of the pieces that he has on this team. But in terms of like in a company line way, he basically was trying to convey to whoever's listening or maybe he was just Mike's very much just I'm going to answer the question that people ask. I don't really care about sending a message. Mike's not a big message sender, but Mm -hmm. inadvertently he was basically like, look, man, this is going to take some time. Like we have these four guys lined up. I think this is going to be cool. I think we have a lot of these dudes that will be okay. But like, you know, it was not like hey, this is third base, this is second base, this is rotation. This is definitely going to be a work in progress up until conference play and probably a couple weeks until conference play. Is that the vibe you took away from it? Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, look, they've got a lot of dudes that have got to get a lot of playing time in, and and you got to figure out who can help you. And it may be a thing where, like, somebody goes three for three and they sit the next day because you got to find out if some other cat yes. can help you or not. Um, and that's just the reality. of You've got to – at least for me, my my from my perspective, you can't not play a guy. And I know it's a double negative, but you can't not play a guy in February that you think can help you in June, and then all of a sudden in April you're like, well, let's plug him in and see if he's ready to go. I mean, there's only so many you know Jack Doherty's that are out there. Um, so, I, I yeah, I think Mike's going to play over the next five games, especially. He's going to play anybody that thinks he that he thinks can help them win a baseball game in the month of June. I think so too, and I unfortunately we're going to miss three of them. Sorry, I can't get over that. That that that's yeah. going to bother me to the end of time. But to your point, you're exactly right. There's and that's I mean, if you really want to make it a serious point, how how valuable in some ways would watching. In, in terms of teams in years past, I remember when I first got done as a reporter, the COVID year had gotten canceled. I sat in the stands as a fan and watched Ole Miss open the year in Arlington, right by where I live. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing Brandon Johnson throw 95 out of the bullpen, even though he didn't get used for two more months and be like, hey, who the hell is that guy? <laughs> and a couple other guys like that, where it's not determining roles in week one, but at least that team had some more established guys. 
where this team doesn't really have an established sense of anything. And again, I don't want to turn it into this. We can't watch wine fest, but like this would be the most valuable year of all time to watch their first four games just to see what his mindset is in some ways, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I mean, there's only, again, there's only certain aspects that the radio can give you. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be unfortunate that, that Ole Miss fans aren't able to watch. Um, kind of a, I was thinking about this, kind of a lost revenue opportunity for Hawaii, because do you know how, how many Ole Miss fans would subscribe to whatever God awful, uh, streaming service they put up? Maybe that, yeah, they would just had the same diatribe that me and you had is I'll pay 30 <laughs> bucks. I'll pay a hundred. Can you afford that? Probably not. Who cares? <laughs> I'm watching the rebels by God. It's just, uh, yeah, and so I, that's the unfortunate part about it. Look, it's a long uh, non-conference slate, right? You'll come back and you'll play the classic Arkansas State game on Tuesday. Is that actually their opponent? I'm just guessing. Yeah, it's actually on Wednesday this year because of how long it's going to take getting back from Hawaii. That makes some sense, but that is the classic Arkansas State game. You get a weekend series at home. It gets high point. Then you get an Iowa series. Look, you're going to get a ton of time to figure out what this team is, but – I guess the overall point in this is, unlike years past, I think I've talked myself into being very fascinated in this team. I think the first, the podcast we did last week, I was like, is this team going to be terrible again? This is going to be a hard sell to our listeners. And I went from that to thinking, I don't think this team's going to be terrible. But from the time you and I have done this iteration of this podcast, which is what, 2021 on, right? Yeah. I mean, I know we did yeah. a super talk thing, but... 2021 on it was Omaha bust you knew who was on the mound Friday you probably knew who was on the mound Saturday you knew seven of the nine position players from us talking about this this is going to be fascinating to me because really from an Ole Miss fan standpoint in general this is entirely new territory you don't know anything about anyone yeah this is going to be a fascinating puzzle to watch Mike put together um, legitimately, who has, is there anybody that I, I expect to start for Ole Miss that has more than like 70 at bats? Try, I'm just trying to, no, there's not. Groff, Groff, Groff does. Groff does. And, and Leger does. I forgot about them. Those but are my only two options. And I, I would have to look up their bats. Obviously Groff has the 70, but your point is still well stated. It's one dude. Yeah. Um, and so just a lot of newcomers and, you know, I think they're going to transition fine. I think Tracy Hughes is going to be able to really hit. I think Ross is going to be able to really hit. And, you know, the power five guys I'm not as worried about. But, you know, there is a there is a step up in competition when you're, you know, and, and obviously you won't play an SEC opponent this week. Um, but there is a step up in competition when you when you have to go play SEC teams each and every week versus, you know, Old Dominion or someone like, someone like that. Yeah, there absolutely is. And so – Mike Bianco announced his rotation, and it's a four-man rotation, which threw me off uh, in more ways than one. Uh, Friday night, probably not a a ton of a surprise, particularly Xavier Rivas not being able to pitch this year. It's JT Quinn. And we had talked about this the last podcast we did, but I would love to get your insight on what you think JT Quinn needs to do to become a guy like this that is equipped to handle the rigors of Friday night in the SEC. We saw flashes of it last year. I didn't think he was always put in the fairest of situations, and that was by necessity. That is no fault to anyone. I'm not faulting Mike Bianco. I'm not faulting it like that. I didn't view it as like a Gunnar Hoagland, a 
Oh my God, who am I blanking on? Um, Grayson Sonye, like he just got thrown to the Wolves. I didn't understand what JT Quinn was last year. They kind of had to move him around a little bit. What do you think JT Quinn needs to do to be a successful Friday night guy in the Southeastern Conference? Um, throw hard as crap. Like, so I again, this is this is from the naked eye perspective. You know how you can kind of just tell a, a fastball doesn't have a ton of life. So you yeah. gotta kind of beat them, you gotta kind of beat them with Velo. Like like Caracis was like that in a way it felt like. I don't know if JT Quinns has got a ton, ton of fastball life. So he so he's got to throw really hard. And he does. He throws really, really hard. Now I've heard he's been up to 99. You've heard that. I've heard, I've heard he sat, sits about 94 to 97. Um, and he, he's got to be able to locate that well. 94 to 97 will get by a lot of people. The slider's excellent. Um, or I, I should say breaking ball is excellent. I'm not sure really what he terms it as. Um, you know, and, and he's got – look, he's – I think JT's biggest deal was, man, he competed last year. And I think that's why he's a really good fit for that Friday night role. Did everything go well for him at times? No, there were was, was some really bad outings and some, you know, some tough luck performances. But through the entire year, it felt like he got on the game. He gave you his best. He never let it phase him. Never let it, never let anything rattle him. And that, that could have, that's it's easy for things to unravel for freshmen, especially when you have the year that almost year. I thought he really, really competed well. And uh, so that's why I'm kind of excited him in this Friday night. He's got to, he's going to have to. And that to add on to that point, a kid that arguably is more talented. Did you not feel with that the case was the opposite for Sonia at some point? Did you not feel like he let things unravel, un, unravel on him and too big for the moment? Is that fair? Yeah, that, yeah, probably so, probably so. And, and um, you know, JT just he, he kind of look the numbers. If you're just going to go look at the ERA, yeah, it's not great. It is what it is. But I, I, for whatever reason, I just felt like every time he took the ball that he gave you. Um, he was going to try. He was a bulldog on the mound. I'll put it that way. He he was a bulldog on the mound. That's what you need on Friday nights, man. You don't always have to have the most talented dude on Friday nights. Um, but you got to have a guy that's going to go out there and compete and bust his tail. Uh, and I think Ole Miss has that on Friday night this year. I think so too. For the, I mean, for for nothing else, I think you have a guy. I think you described it perfectly. Perfectly that is going to go compete. Um, you know, he's got velocity that can compared to other guys in Friday night in the SEC, it's just going to be a massive unknown. What's fascinating to me is, too, Mike announced, again, four-man rotation. Liam Doyle, this is a Meridian Community College kid. You heard about him a decent bit in the fall. He's kind of low 90s with the fastball. They think he has a pretty good changeup and pretty average slider to where they hope they can develop that into a third pitch. Right. This is the guy's second offer, Ole Miss. And I know for most of our listeners, they're pretty baseball educated. They don't have to explain. This is the guy that starts on Arkansas State on Tuesday, had you not have played a four-game series, correct? Um, Yeah. That, so the way Mike's done it in the past is that person that's always going to throw on Tuesday uh, or Wednesday is is he comes in on in relief on Friday because your guy on Friday is not going to throw more than about 70-ish pitches. So yeah, more than likely, I think. But that's what I was going to ask you: is all right, who comes out of the rotation next weekend? Like, there's four guys who who doesn't make the rotation for next weekend. I would assume, off the top of my head, it would be Liam Doyle, depending on how this weekend turns wait, out. Wait, Liam? No, Doyle's not starting. It's uh, it's Dennis, isn't it? Sorry, it's, Dennis. Uh, I screwed that up. That is. To, see, this is this is how we don't know anyone on this team. That is right. It's not Liam Doyle. It is Cars. It is Dennis. That is my fault. I would assume Dennis would not be the third guy starting next weekend if we had so, to. Come so to you that. think? Um, you think Maddox is the Sunday guy next weekend? 
Yes. And do you know why? Okay. Why? So Mike had a pretty interesting answer on this. I say answer. It was part of his uh, opening monologue. I thought this was fascinating. Remember when we talked about last podcast of like, I just memory hold the fact that uh, Riley Maddox threw last year. You could have told me, it was yeah. like, yeah, he's come back from Tommy John, never threw. I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. We didn't remember any of that. So Mike said, and he had a very interesting um, comment on this piece of it, where he basically said, Riley Maddox, if we did put him in, we didn't think he could be a weekend guy um, until the fall. And then he basically started throwing harder and harder and his velo stayed for longer and longer. And he said about midway through the fall, he was like, okay, this could be a real possibility. And one of the things he credits for that is the fact that he did bring Riley Maddox back last year, which he credits Maddox for doing. Um, it sounds like Mike wanted to hold Riley Maddox out last year. And Maddox was adamant on coming back. And Mike said, look, man, I don't know if you're going to be a mop-up dude in a midweek or you're going to be a linchpin guy in the bullpen on Sundays. I don't know how this is going to go. And Maddox was basically like, I don't care. When I'm healthy, I'm on a pitch. And I say all of that to mention, they seem comfortable putting him in the Sunday role because of the outings he had last year. Mike even said it as a direct quote. He's not going to be known as the guy coming back from Tommy John. He's just going to be known as another pitcher that really helped us in 2022. Does that stick out yeah. to you at all? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, like like we've said, you can't really hold him to what happened um, in 2023. Most guys coming back from that situation is going to have a tough uh, going to have a tough go. So yeah, I, I I completely can can understand that. I'm I'm interested to see him as a starter. I thought he's got starter stuff. There's no doubt about that. So um, he was electric in 2022 before he got hurt as well. So yeah, I, I'm, and it was I'm, in I'm short bursts. Like I get your hesitations yeah. about him being a starter, but the only reason I like you mentioned earlier, like do you you really think they feel comfortable doing that? Mike seemed like genuinely giddy talking about the fact that like we kind of like him in this Sunday role. Yeah, and, and man, if, if a guy like Riley Maddox can be your Sunday guy, that's a good, good arm on Sunday to start a game. But the, the the key to all that, because I think if you ask me right now, if you said, hey, you know, what do you think from, from each each slot at Ole Miss's pitching rotation, I think they're actually going to be okay on Fridays. I, I think JT Quinn's going to give you what you want what you need. You know, and if Riley Maddox can say in that Sunday rule, man, I think he's going to give you what you want and what you need. You need Grace and Sonia. That's that's the guy on Saturday. You got he's got to be good, and if he can if he can be the dude on Sunday where you keep a guy like Riley Maddox on, on Sunday, and if Grace and Sonia can do what you need him on Saturday, man, he got a shot. You got a shot. Uh, that's I think that's the key. Can if you tell me, hey, um, Grace and Sonia at the end of the year is still the Saturday starter, I'm say okay, Ole Miss had a pretty good year then. I, I think that's the key. I really, from a pitching standpoint, if you said, hey, what do you want? Give me Grace and Sonia's numbers and overall on the SEC plan. I think I can tell you what kind of year Ole Miss has. We'll get back to Colin in just one second. But before we do, I want to take one quick break to remind you. This podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. If you're a Rippy Wright subscriber, that's rippywrights.subsec.com. Get a free newsletter from me, plus discounted meats right now. If you're a Rippy Wright subscriber, just go in and show Greg proof of subscription. You get three six-ounce bacon wrap fillets. For 20 bucks, if it's a $40 valuation, you're getting there for 20 bucks. Just show him proof of subscription. He'll get you all set up. Then go find your own favorites. It's the best butcher shop in the world. All kinds of delicious cuts of meats. Go to LB's this holiday season. It will make 
everything in your house better. People be like, where the hell did you get this awesome stuff? Like LB's University Avenue in Oxford. It is a crown jewel of the South, a crown jewel of Oxford. Check them out today, LB's University Avenue. This podcast is now brought to you by MC Speech Therapy. Has your child been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder or another developmental disorder? MC Speech Therapy offers private speech therapy from the comfort of your own home. Other centers may leave you as the parent sitting in the waiting room. MC Speech Therapy enables parents to make every moment with their child therapeutic. Using a relationship-based framework, MC Speech Therapy can help your child engage, relate, and communicate. Mary-Claire Boudreaux's doctorate-level expertise and passion in helping children with communication difficulties offers articulation and language therapy, parent training, is, and is licensed to do virtual therapy across the state of Mississippi. With MC Speech Therapy, you and your family will gain a better understanding of your child while cultivating stronger relationships. For service today, call 903-824-8575 or email her at maryclaire at mcspeechtherapy.net. That is M-A-R-Y-C-L-A-I-R-E at mcspeechtherapy.net. All right, back to Colin. I think you're a million percent dead on, right? Because this is a similar, and we talked about this last podcast, this is a similar to a Gunnar Hoagland situation, right? He got yeah. beat up by the SEC last year. He was very much fastball dependent. He didn't really locate that well when he needed to. But in terms of expectations and what you think this kid could be, again, it's a massive if to just say JT Quinn is going to be what you need on Friday. I, I'm, I'm very much acknowledging that. But let's just say that's the case. If Sonia is 75% of what you think he could be on Saturday and you have Riley Maddox on Sunday, that is a infinitely better pitching situation than you had not only last year, but at times in 2022 and 2021, you were doing with injuries. Is it not? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So if you do that, if again, I'm, I'm talking myself into the fact that these guys are going to be good. Please don't mistake this for a Mike Bianco propaganda segment. But let's just say that's the case, and it's a big if, and I think that's probably kind of the crux of this team. Don't you think the bullpen's fine? I do. Between Tekoyan, between Mallets. Mallets, yeah. I refuse to believe Mason Nichols sucks. I just, I, I'm not going to go off that. I know he had a bad year last year. I watched that guy get outs in Omaha. He doesn't suck. If the rotation can somewhat sustain itself, and it was dealt a major blow with Xavier Rivas not even being a factor, but let's just say if, again, big if, the rest of this team from a pitching standpoint could be okay. Yeah, no, I I think the starters solidifying themselves and, and you know, the four this weekend and, and whatever you do from that perspective, I think they're going to be okay in the bullpen. I think, like, if Mason Nichols can return to form, you hope Josh Mallett is your closer. Um, and if you can use guys like Brent uh, – Oh gosh, what's the kid's name? Braden Jones is that is, is that is threw that right? very hard last year. Never saw him. yeah, and, and and a guy like Matt Morell. If you can use them as not high leverage guys, right? Not not guys that you have to run out there because last year, if you remember right, for a while, and anytime the game was close, Matt Morell had to go grab the ball because there was nobody else in that bullpen that get, could get one freaking out. I know um, you're in basketball mode, Mitch Morell. We have to get him a new hat. Wow, oh, we do have to give him a new hat. Sorry, everyone listening understood you did not mean Matt Morell. If he pitched, they they'd be in a real issue. Yeah, well, so would the basketball team. Um, so yes, they would. <laughs> they would be in real trouble. Um, but yes, you know, Mitch Morell had to go grab the ball every time, almost had a lead or the game tied because he had to get a freaking out. 
Um, but to your point, that's another guy I haven't even mentioned that got crucial out for them last year. They they overextended him majorly to where it was like, I don't know what his yes. role is. He just has to go get his outs. That's a guy, if you actually have a defined role for him, older guy, been in college baseball a long time, that could be awesome. Yeah, yeah, no. And I think that's the key is you don't have to wear guys out. They can actually have roles. But it comes down to can these three starters or, or – you know, four this weekend, can they get you to the fifth or the sixth in it? Because so much of the issue last year was your starters were getting the hell beat out of them so early that they're going to go to open. It's exactly good. And like, oh, and now your offense is down six to two in the third, and then they start pressing, and then it's just an avalanche of crap. That's exactly what it was last year. And you, you make a very good point, too, is it's not only the shuffling of the starting rotation, it's – when that happened last year and your starters don't give you link, the guys you trust in the bullpen, well, instead of that, they're covering the fourth through sixth instead of the seventh through ninth, right? Yeah. So then they get in there and you're like, oh, it's, I mean, I don't forget the Florida game last year, which seemed like a linchpin for their season. Remember, they had gotten swept. They lost at Vanderbilt. They lost the Friday game that maybe had been a Saturday game because of a weather delay. I can't remember. But it's the it's the middle game against Florida and they come back. I think they had a pretty good rally, and they were either up one or tied. And it got to the seventh inning, and I remember looking at my dad. I was like, I have no idea who's getting these last nine outs. And guess what didn't happen? They didn't get the last nine outs, and then they get swept, and it was just kind of over by that point. That needs to be the difference with this team. Yes. Yeah. Um, they've got to have – look, I think the bullpen depth from, from that perspective, when you're, we haven't even talked about transfers, like, uh, right, like Liam Dole. And Spencer and um and and Carmack from Arkansas State, who I think can help them. You know, it's they've got dudes, they've got human beings back there that I think can get outs, and you just hope that that they've recruited well enough that um that they're going to be okay enough to get outs in SEC play and, and beyond. Um, we'll see. It's it's certainly nothing like we've seen before from a Mike Bianco pitching staff with with all the newness that you're counting on. But man, it's um. It's going to be interesting to see, that's for sure. Yes, and it is as well because – Well, the, or not see. I have a uh, classic Mike Bianco comment. I'm, I'm sure you're going to relish this one. One, good point on the, the bullpen piece of it. I really do. If the rotation kind of solidifies itself, and it's not one of those things where it has to be the three, four guys this weekend, they can interchange it out. It's just you have to have enough guys effective to where this doesn't become a thing of like who the hell is getting outs in the seventh inning. I think they have more guys back there, more guys healthy. I think they'll be better off this year, but classic Mike Bianco comment. I think chase asked a question about uh, getting left-handers out of the portal. He was like, was that a, was that a concerted effort or was that just best available? And he looks at chase and said, that's a depressing way to put it, but uh, you know, it's not a bad question. And then he said, you know, we've had programs in the past be like, you guys are a left-hander, you. And he was like, tell that to the other 10,000 people in the stands. I was like, who uh, – my question was, I was like, hand up as I'm watching Who said the video. that? Who has ever called Ole Miss left-hander, you? Is it, how how blasphemous of a statement is that? Uh, they, I think they had like – there was a year, I, I legitimately think they had one left-handed pitcher on the roster. I swear to God, for the last half decade, they've had like two. Well, Jackson Kimbrell has been the only left-hander on the roster for the last 12 years. Is he still there, by the way? I think he might be. Wow. Uh, we're supposed to be the baseball guys here. Um, I'm about to look this up in live action. Please, we're getting please. IT on this. People listening to this podcast can hear me typing. Um, <laughs> let's see. 
I thought he had one more year of eligibility. You remember these COVID oh, he does. guys, they last forever. He does have another year of eligibility because he started during the COVID year. I know that was his first year. Um, so, so, man, Jackson on the roster. Fantastic podcast. I know it's good. I don't even good really body. know in what order. Uh, We'll go K. No, Kimbrell, not on the roster. Not on the roster. Darn. Um, he was actually pretty good at times. It just... <laughs> Point being, Mike Vinko makes his comment is that other coaches have been come up to me and said, you're left-hander, you. And I was like, oh, when has anyone ever said that? Maybe when I was in high school, which is depressingly 13 years ago. Or maybe they made kid throws with their left hand in like fall or something that we just don't know about. That was really the only explanation that I could come up with, which is funny to me. I'm not going to make fun of Mike Bianco this entire podcast, um, but I am going to get one other jab in. So Wes Mendez, relief pitcher that they seem to like a lot. I'm not really sure what his role is going to be for Ole Miss immediately, but the reason I wrote him down was um, apparently he can hit. Have you heard this? Wait, say that again? Wes Mendez can hit. Have you heard oh, this? I have not. Okay. Do you know why I'm bringing this up? No. My gloves to do this. Oh, is He's this a the pitcher. guy who's going to get an opportunity and then he never Remember that time in 2019? Because I was still a reporter. I remember it. I asked a question about Gunner. And Gunner yeah. was the Sunday guy that year. And I think I asked a question about him hitting. And I think Mike scoffed at me. And you you have to picture the scoff in your mind. It was not just a scoff. It was like, this guy's the dumbest human being to ever exist. And I was like, great, this is going to go well. And then he kind of looked around and was like, Gunner will hit, but he won't hit this year. Well, guess who never hit it will miss? Ever. So they, they, did the same thing with, uh, they did the same thing with Derek Diamond. They did. And then I have to go back and watch this uh, press conference again. I swear, when he got asked a question about Mendez hitting – he said something about how Doug could hit. Oh, absolutely, Doug can hit. Doug okay, was. So I didn't there. know that. That was news to me. I was like, "What is this guy talking about?" Doug was a really good outfielder too. Okay, they so I had, that was and, news to me. I had no clue. Yeah, they would play Doug and and right and left fielder in inner squads. Which, looking back, I would I kind of wish they wouldn't have. Um, but we were talking about the guy that rode a skateboard around. Um, but yeah, yeah, Doug can hit. Gunner was like a legitimate D one hitter. Like I, looking back, probably should have swung it a little bit. A couple of times, you know when he should have swung it is when uh, the captain tore his ACL. <laughs> well, the the problem was um, Gunner had the torn UCL at that point. Well, I mean, does he? Can you cannot Be you can careful. hit with the torn UCL? Can you not? You you can you can you can hit with a torn UCL. You can play with a torn UCL if it's not pitcher. Fun fact. It is. And I just, because I understand why Mike didn't do that, but I just made that note because it cracks me up because Mike does that a lot. And then none of the, when's the last pitcher that has ever made an impact for Ole Miss hitting. And I don't mean this to like, like shit on Mike or anything. It just, it makes me um, laugh where he's like, ah, this kid get, could hit. You want to give the douchebag answer or like the, uh, the actual answer, because I can give you a funny answer that I think you'll laugh at. Is it Steven head? No, it's Ryan Olenek. <laughs> You asked. You asked. I forgot about he, that. That was he closed. He closed two games in a row. Remember in 2019, they go on this god awful losing streak. When I'm about to blow a gasket, everybody's wanting to fire Mike. 
And he closes the final game at Tennessee to make them 16 and 14 and make them technically alive to host because Crazy couldn't get it out back then. Uh, he had gotten worn out. They had thrown him. To... Then he closes the single elimination game out of the 2019 SEC tournament on a Tuesday where they beat Missouri 2-1. to one. He closes that game out. And then Ole Miss plays themselves into the SEC championship game and hosts the regional and wins the regional. They lost like six or five in a row, and Ryan Olenek just takes the ball on a Sunday or Saturday at Tennessee and closes out game three, and almost like, well, I guess we're good again now. I do remember this, and there is a variety of reasons I remember this, is <laughs> I, when I was a full-time reporter, never covered Ole Miss. Omaha run, I mean, hell, I started covering football the last year of the Hugh Freeze era. I got a lot of shit uh, content, but I do remember that when they were slumping in 2019 – but what made me laugh probably more so than anything about that whole thing was Olenek did that whole – he'd been begging the coaching staff to pitch. He did that whole thing against Tennessee, and then he closes out that single elimination game. He's like, I should have been doing this all year. I was like, what's hard about – I think someone asked him, like, what's hard about this? He was like, nothing. I was like, dude. <laughs> I just say the ball and throw it. Thanks. Yeah, he's like, I just do it and throw it. So, yes, that is the actual answer. But- do you know – here's your trivia question, though. Okay. Do you know Ron Olenek's pitching debut at Ole Miss? Do you, can you name it? Very, very, uh, very pivotal game. So not it's, midweek. It's, set, it's no, not midweek. It set the program. This this game and the following game set the program back by about three years. What? Yeah. Ryan Olenek pitching debut sets the program back five years. I'm saying the game and its result and the following game and its result set the program back by about three years. Oh, you just successfully pressed right, pretzel in my brain. I couldn't even begin to describe. Well, what is this? Tennessee, even... ten, the first Tennessee Tech game that they lost. So they bring him in because they're down like 15 to negative three or something. And so they lose that game. Wait, what? Yeah. So they, they got smoked in that game. And they, they put Olenek on the mound. I can pull up the box score. I remember it like yesterday. And um, so they, they wind up just losing that game and saving all the pitching. And then they lose the Tennessee Tech game on Monday night or later that day to lose the regional and make me depressed. But yes, that absolutely know. happened. So he wasn't the yeah. only outfitter to pitch that day. <laughs> <laughs> I do, okay, so we can talk about this because it's five years later. I do like how everybody just thinks that they pulled that cat out of right field. And he not was an he actual the- pitcher. It just makes <laughs> it funny narrative-wise. I, I understand, but like his first pitch was 94 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't some scrub. <laughs> he was he was, it was like Nick Osborne, and my brother could throw gas. Now, that's all he could throw. Is all he could throw was gas, but he was he was throwing the gas that day. Are right, yeah, I'm pulling up this box. Oh god, this gives me anxiety looking at this. Um wow, almost just died very quickly in this game. Um Ryan Olenek threw 0.2 innings. Let me let, let's do this. 0.2 innings, zero hits, one walk, uh no earned runs. No earned runs. Colin Coates pitched in that game, too. Colin Coates, what a legend. So can you walk me through this? Because as you, I know you know this, but this was a gap in my Ole Miss coverage. Remember, I just graduated college. 
Yeah. Um, I was a year out of school. I was working with the athletic department, but I'd gotten that internship with the Cincinnati Reds. Yep. And so Ole Miss had played Auburn in a series in late May, and that was my last uh-huh. series. I just went up and drove up to Cincinnati, and that was my job now. And I will never forget this for as long as I lived. The Reds had played a day game on either – was it a Sunday or a Monday that Ole Miss, this happened to Ole Miss? Was it Black Monday. Sunday or Black Monday? It was, it was all on a Monday because Ole Miss got rained out on Friday in the region. The Reds had played a, a a makeup game on a Monday, and I got back mm-hmm. from the ballpark. I watched none of the first game where I'm pretty sure Jordan Fowler started and things did not go well. No, no, James MacArthur, major leaguer James MacArthur. Wait, what? He's, wow, okay. Yeah, Jordan Fowler actually started the second game and pitched pretty well. So that was the deciding one. Yes. Okay, so I remember just sitting there thinking, like, wow, like, at that time, Mike and I had a little bit of a testy uh, deal going on. I was like, mm, sucks for them. How in the world <laughs> does Ryan Olenek factor into that? Can you refresh my memory? Um, they were just down by so much and he wanted to save pitching. That's that that was that was it. He I mean he admitted as much. They I would he saved all his like Caracy didn't get up, um, Etheridge didn't get up. They they saved all their pitching for the uh second game. They basically conceded the first game. And now that I look at it, they actually made it ten to five into the eighth inning and um wow now i'm looking at the second game and i am really depressed almost um they got almost tennessee tech went scoreless through five so jordan fowler five scoreless innings wow and then almost scores two in the top of the six i remember this now had the bases loaded one out up two to nothing tyler keenan up who's playing with their little bit of a wrist injury at the time Man, if he hits a ball on the, off the wall right there, almost goes up five nothing. That game's up. He strikes out, and I think Cockrell strikes out after that. And Tennessee Tech ties it after that. I'm probably giving people anxiety right now. And then scores a run in the next inning, and almost gets beat. That was low key, maybe their most talented team. Looking back on the last 23 years, besides maybe some in 0405, I think 18 talent was was the most talented team. I kind of agree with you. That team was sick. Um. Anyway, kind of going position player-wise on this, Mike Bianco's answer to a lot of these questions regarding who's going to play in the field was fascinating to me. I I think we got most of the starting nine pretty much pegged for the first game. Like, obviously, I think, you know, assuming he's healthy, you're going to see Campbell Smithwick behind the plate. Yeah. I think you'll see Groff in center, Tracing oh. Hughes in some sort of outfield spot. I think you're going to see Fisher at third base, Jackson Ross at first. Outside of that, though, I think it's going to be pretty fluid. I think Luke Hill will obviously probably be the shortstop. A lot of Braden Randall buzz at second base. I think you'll probably see the senior classman. Uh, that would be Reagan Burford get the start at first base. Even though we kind of knew what this was going to be for Ole Miss, it's still a ton of unknown. What Can you point at one guy on the roster and be like, this guy is going to give you Y or this guy is going to give you X? This is going to be fascinating to me. No. Um you know, it, no, you can't. It's uh, because, you know, you even the guys Leger and Groff, you, you better hope that they have better years than they did last year offensively especially. So, and then the new guys, for me, like I, I just got to see it before I come out. I think, I think Fisher's going to be good. I watched him play last year in the postseason for Duke. He was really good. Um, but it's just, you know, with transfers, it's just kind of a wait-and-see deal. And uh, you just, you just kind of hope it works out. So, no, I can't. There's not one person that I can tell you that I'll, what their stats are going to be. And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty confident that's what they're going to look like. Like, if you'd asked me two years ago, hey, what's Tim Elko going to do? Well, he's going to hit 330 and hit 25 home runs and have 80 RBIs. 
That's probably what he's going to do. Um, there's not one person I can do that with on this team. So, like, how do how do you project an offense like that? Like, what is the best version in your mind of this offense? Um, well, the the best version is that the Fisher and and Roth um, are, are the guys they think they are, and, and Hughes, and I think Hughes is going to be really good. And and you just man, I don't think they're going to be a team that climbs or hits balls over the wall. Uh, like they're going to be able to have power. Clement's never going to have an offense that can't hit the ball over the fence. Uh, but I don't think they're going to live and die by the ball so much. I think they're going to be able to run, too. Like, I think you look at a guy like Luke Hill, you look at a guy like Tracy Hughes and Fisher, um, even Smithwick can run. Um, they're going to be super, super athletic. I, I do think that Leger is a good runner. Um, and then, obviously, Ethan Groff in, in center field is a very good runner. So, they're going to be able to run. Um, if if Ubermark is the DH, he can really, really run. If he's the first baseman, whatever he would play, um, he can really run. So I think they're going to be extremely athletic up and down the lineup, more so probably than the last few years. I think so probably too. And it's not going to be your typical Ole Miss lineup. Like you mentioned, there's going to be a lot of moving parts to this. Judd Utermark, I know has been kind of rumored as a guy that's going to be in the infield. I think you'd see him play anywhere. I think there's just ultimately shakes out to is like, do you think Mike will sack – I say sacrifice defense, but with as many unknowns in this lineup, he will probably default to, can this guy hit? Is this the greatest perfect defensive lineup? Probably not. But, hey, we got to do what we got to do. Do you think that's yeah, a fair look, mindset? There's an old cliche in baseball, man. If you hit, you play. They'll figure it out. They will figure it out. Nobody is left on – I've never, through coaching and watching baseball, nobody that can actually hit is left on the bench at the start of a game because they can't play defense. You just – you figure it out. So, Yeah. If somebody can hit, they're going to be on the field. That's it's it's the way baseball has always worked, and uh, for for my money, will always continue to work. What is the peak of this offense? Is this a top half offense in the SEC? Is this one of the uh, worst offenses? The I know I'm asking you an impossible question, but like where where, no, where does this peak? No, think, where does this valley? I, I think uh, peak wise, it's a top five ish offense, and and valley wise, I think you know. The transfers don't work out. It could be a bottom four, um, where you know, where the reality is is probably somewhere that maybe maybe barely top half, barely bottom half ish, uh, which kind of plays into what I think this team probably is, which is a fourteen and 16, 15 and fifteen team. It's a two or three seed in a regional. Um, you know, that's if you made me guess today, that's what I'd go. I, I think I went through it yesterday. Out of boredom, and I think it was like 37 and 19, 15 and 15, maybe 36 and 20, 14 and 16, which is you get to, you don't get to the 15 1 mark and it gets very, very bubbly. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's kind of what this team is. I think we're going to look up in June and they're going to be on the board going to, you know, Corvallis or somewhere like that. Um, which that's kind of where I think this offense is. I think it's middle of the pack. I think the pitching is either middle or a little bit behind, which probably results in SEC playing a, a, a late two seed or a high three seed. And again, we talked about this last podcast. We were like, oh, this team could be fine. They could not be very good. We'll see how it goes. But then we, you know, we kind of settled on like, it's also a fine line in this conference. You could be 17 and 13 hosting. You could be 13 and 17 wondering if you're getting into the tournament. I mean, that's that's what makes every single one of these SEC weekends incredible. It's like there, there really is no like, oh, that game – that game didn't matter. And I feel like for a team like this, that is going to kind of be the MO of like, oh, they let that one get away. They don't have that margin for error. They can't go on a no. run like 2019 did or 2022 did. Like they, they don't have that in them. This is going to have to be a grind from start to finish. 
Yeah, no, it is. You're exactly right. They, they've got a good non-conference schedule. I think Hawaii will be good from an RPI standpoint. Iowa um, made a regional last year, and I think actually won a game in a regional. I can't recall. Um, so, yeah, no, they're, they're going to have a good opportunity in non-conference play. You always play Mississippi State and uh, Southern Miss, and, and those give you good opportunities. So, yeah, they, they, they're going to have opportunities to, to put themselves in position. Just going to have to take advantage of them for sure. You gave me the pitcher stat earlier. If you if I had to give you one offensive player stats to tell me the story of this offense this year, who would it be? Uh think Fisher. I think I'd I think go I'd Fisher go because Fisher I, as well. If if Fisher is good, I think that opens because I, I really do believe in Tracy Hughes. Um I, I think Ethan Groff's second year in the SEC is gonna have a good year. So if Fisher has the year that I think he can have, um, because because again, I believe I believe in Ross Hughes, Ross and Hughes for sure. So um and and I, I believe in Fisher, but I, I think, you know, I think he's the one that has the highest ceiling within that offense. And if he has if he's able to reach someone of that ceiling, then then this offense can be really, really explosive. I don't really have anything else. I guess I'll give a final prediction. How does Ole Miss make it out of this weekend? We'll obviously be closely uh, watching all four games. <laughs> three and one. I think they're going to drop one. I can't. I can't figure out which one. Um, we're we're talking about a pitching staff that doesn't. You know, that that, that didn't have a great year last year. I I think it would be um, it would be great, but I think it it might be hard for Ole Miss to make it out of four games and not have one bad game from a pitching standpoint. So I'll go three and one. Four and zero oh would be great. Anything less than three and one is not a good thing to me. I'm with you. I think I'm going to go three and one. Uh, you mentioned you don't know which game they're going to drop. If no one saw it, what does it matter? Did it happen? That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, someone probably saw it. Hawaii might have like a fan or two. And if you if they do, please stream it. Absolutely egregious. You know, I'm going to like search YouTube.com for like Hawaii Ole Miss baseball stream just in case one bozo out there is putting the stream up on YouTube. I just I can't believe that's a thing in 2024. But again, here we go. Whatever it is, what it is. So he is Colin Brister, man. I appreciate the time. We will catch back up at some point next week when we figure out what the hell happened on the island this weekend. <laughs> Have a good luck this weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Appreciate it. Okay, that's going to do it for our show today. I will probably talk to Bracken on Sunday. We'll figure out something with Colin. Midweek, I would imagine, uh, just because, you know, only one of these games apparently, allegedly, is going to be uh, televised, so we'll figure that one out. And then, of course, we won't have this problem going forward. Thanks for listening to this podcast. As always, y'all have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy some Ole Miss baseball. Enjoy some Ole Miss basketball, and we'll talk to you here on Sunday.